Hey everybody, come on in. It's time for coffee with Scott Adams. Now I don't know how the weather is where you are, but it's raining in my kitchen. Yeah, I wish it were only raining outdoors, but it's also raining in my kitchen, so that's what I woke up to today. I guess there's a leak. We're going to have to take care of that. But it's not the first kitchen I've been in <laughs> that was raining. And for some reason, all my kitchens end up leaking. Um, how would you like to enjoy this moment better than all the other moments of the day? Yeah, you would. And all you need is a cup or mug or glass, a tanker, chalice, a stein, a canteen, jug, a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine of the day that makes everything better except my kitchen. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. Yeah, that is better. So there's a mysterious new startup or technology or service. It's an it's a interesting story. It's called uh, BitClout, B-I-T-C-L-O-U-T, BitClout. And it looks like it's in beta, so I don't know that you can get onto the site without a password yet. But what they've done is they, they've developed a market for influencers. So people like me, I'm actually one of the, uh, the markets on there. You can buy an NFT, which is a digital collectible, which has no intrinsic value, just people decide to buy them and sell them, and sometimes the price goes up. So you can buy and sell these digital units, um, and they're sort of registered on the blockchain, if you will, so that you can tell who has an original and who might have a copy. And the copies would not have value, but the originals would. So I'm one of the uh, influencers who are on the the early version of it. So I'm number 36 on their list. Of course, it's not a complete list. But it looks like my, uh, my, <laughs> my value, let's see. This is what I've been, my market cap, which is the value of all the crypto uh, tokens or coins, if you will, that people have bought that are represented by me. So it's up to about a million dollars or approaching a million dollars. So here's what's interesting about it. The technology, it looks like it's going to be some kind of a substitute for social media platforms. It looks like you can post things. And people like me can go and claim our, our, uh, our account, basically. And I think I would get some monetary benefit from just claiming the account. And from there, I could just post. And here's the amazing part. Apparently, because it's an open source and there's no one company that owns any of the hardware or software or even the development of it, there's no company. Let me say that again. There's a social media platform that's just springing up that doesn't have a company because the, the technology is so distributed. You, know, you could run a server and you know, you'd be part of this larger network but there's no company. Now, there is some kind of entity that's doing something, but the, the technology is not part of a company. 
So I guess I should say it that way. There is a company, but the technology is not part of it. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. And here's, even, here's, the, uh, here's the payoff. As I understand it, I was just looking at the white paper, so there's a lot I don't quite understand yet, but it looks like one of the things that they're going to offer is the ability for anybody to write an algorithm that works on their content. So, for example, if you don't want to live by, say, um, the Twitter algorithm or the YouTube algorithm, you could just go over to this you know, new social network and pick the algorithm you want from anybody who writes one. You say, oh, I like, I like the algorithm that Scott wrote. I'll just use that one from now on. So I don't know um, where this is headed yet, but it is a, it is a social media platform killer. <laughs> and, you know, lots of people have tried to make alternate Twitters and alternate YouTubes and stuff like that, and they've had limited success. But... Uh, Nobody's ever put all the parts together like this. So whoever is behind this, uh, they figured out how to put all the parts together. So just keep an eye on this. It's called BitClout. One word, B-I-T-C-L-O-U-T. All right. Uh, Putin continues to be one of the funniest trolls uh, in the world. So he was doing an interview the other day, and he, he just said he had this idea that, uh, that Putin himself and Biden should have a public conversation slash debate uh, live and televised. Now, <laughs> Putin, you fucker. <laughs> that was so smart. Because what does everybody in the United States say to themselves as soon as they hear that, that that Putin and Biden, you know, potentially could be having a conversation in real time in front of the world. What's the first thing you think of? No, no. <laughs> we'll, 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 be, we'll look like fools because Putin apparently still has his faculties. You might not like him. Apparently he's done some bad things. But he still has all of his faculties. And this challenge sort of proves it, right? Because it was such a, a clever troll thing to say, oh, yeah, why don't you take your national leader and I, representing my country, we'll talk in public. Oh, you don't have a leader who can talk in public. Oh, oh, that's too bad. But we do. Over in Russia, we have a leader who can actually go on TV and talk in public without even preparing. How about that? So uh, I'm going uh, to give an A-plus to Putin for trolling. That was really funny. It was cruel, but it's really good persuasion. Every now and then you see these little uh, signs that tell you how Putin, Putin rose to power. <laughs> he, he just has a pretty good game. You know? I, I'm not his fan, uh, he should be condemned, totally. But he does have a lot of game. Um, in my ongoing series of the left continuing to eat themselves by having to live by their own rules, uh, it seems like every day there's a new example of it. Here are a few. 
So there's a woman named uh, Alexi McCammond. And I, believe, this is, I think this is important to the story, although it's a little confusing when you look at her picture. But she identifies as black, I think. So fact check me on that. I don't want to be wrong about that. Uh, but I believe she identifies as black. And um, so she uh, got a job at Conde Nast, and it would be you know pretty high up position. And she had to quit because of some uh, anti-Asian and anti-gay tweets in her past. And I'm thinking, it's coming back to bite you in the ass. So here she is. She's, uh, I believe, again, fact check me, but I believe she um, identifies as African-American. And here she is discriminating against Asians and gays, allegedly, in these tweets. So she had to, so she lost her job. So when the left follows their own rules, they lose their job. Here's a tweet about Joss Whedon, director or... uh, I guess director, right, of the new Justice League. And somebody pointed out that the parts that he reduced or cut by the time he got to the final movie, uh, you know, five names were listed, and every one of them, a person of color. That's right. So Joss Whedon, also associated with the left, um, he edits his movie, but he only gets rid of the people of color and reduces their roles. Is that a coincidence? Well, probably, <laughs> yes. It's probably exactly a coincidence. And the coincidence, I'm just guessing, if I, but if I had to guess that the, because he's using characters that were developed, you know, 50 years ago or whatever, they were mostly white superheroes. I think the people of color were people who were sort of added on to add some balance and diversity. But when he had to actually edit the movie down to watch it, who are you going to get rid of? You're not going to cut the lines of the main players or you wouldn't have your continuity. But you can almost always edit the, you know, the ancillary players. So probably it had nothing to do with anything about except how to edit it and keep continuity. But I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. Apparently the rules say if you only cut the roles of uh, people of color, you are a racist. So there's two stories just from today. You want to hear another one? Here's one I'm going to make up. All right. So I told you before that the best way to defeat um, bad thinking is to embrace it. It's it's one of the best um, techniques for persuasion. If somebody is asking you to do something that's just sort of batshit crazy and you can't talk them out of it with logic, you, you don't have any power to change it, you know, they, they won't listen to reason, what do you do? Well, the one way to do it is to follow the rules and actually embrace their batshit idea and then act as though you're, you're fully embracing it. Now, if you act like you're joking it doesn't work. If you act like you're doing it to be a jerk, it doesn't work. The secret is to play it straight. Play it straight right down the line. Right? And watch me do it right now. I will now model this behavior. 
So apparently there are 14,000 migrant children in federal custody right now. That's 14,000 kids who, presumably with their parents, decided to come to a racist country. Because if you've listened to Black Lives Matter and, and the Democrats, they will tell you that this is one super racist country. And I believe the rule is that if you willingly and voluntarily decide to go associate with a racist entity, you are a racist. Am I wrong? Fact check me on that. Is it wrong to say that, I mean, that, that's the statement about Trump's supporters, right? It doesn't matter if you're technically not a racist yourself. If you've decided to side with somebody who we have labeled a racist, you're a racist by association. And you can't say that you're not contributing to that racist system because you are. You are. <clears throat> then you've got 14,000 kids who uh, now are trying very hard to associate with this big racist entity called the United States. And I'm sorry, but that does make them all racists. It makes them all racists. So if you want to let 14,000 racists into the country, well, go ahead. Looks like that's going to happen. Now, see what I'm doing? Now, in this case, you can tell that I'm just joking. But the point is, every time you make people live by their own rules, those rules get a lot less popular. <laughs> These rules exist as a weapon against the other side. They can't be, you know, if you try to employ them against both sides, they become very unpalatable. Um, and I think I told you my best story about this. I'll just do it quickly. Years ago, when smoking was legal in offices, um, I complained and management wouldn't do anything because smoking was legal. So my coworker was a chain smoker. There was nothing I could do. So they sent around, a, one day they sent around a form that says, do you recognize, um, uh, uh, what do they call it, dangerous uh, toxins and stuff in the workplace, dangerous situations. And you had to sign off on a number of specific dangers to say that you know these are dangerous things and that you'll do what you need to do to, to avoid the danger. And one of them was secondhand smoke, listed right on the corporate document that that was considered a dangerous chemical. And so I used the, comp- the company's own standard and I said I won't be coming back to work because it's a, I'm declaring this a dangerous workplace because of the secondhand smoke, using the company's rules. I wasn't making anything up. I was just using the company's own rules. And then I just started staying home. And I would call in once a day to find out if the, if the toxic hazard had been remediated. And the first, the first day, my boss thought I was joking. And so I played it completely straight. I said, no, I understand from the company. You made me sign that I understood it. I literally was asked to sign that I understood it. The secondhand smoke could kill me. And also I've been asked to make sure that I remove myself from any unsafe environments. So I'm doing right now exactly the, the company's required steps. <laughs> took about three days and they changed the policy, re, you know, re, uh, relocated me to a non-smoking place, etc. 
Now, the key to this was that I never was an asshole. I never rubbed it in. I never laughed about it. I never mocked it. I never, I never even called the rules ridiculous. I simply addressed them exactly with the policy as it had been presented to me. You want to hear another example? When I, when I was a bank teller, uh, we would have all these rules about what we could or could not do, and if you violated any of those rules, you could get fired or you know, get a penalty of some sort. And we would often bend those rules because a lot of our customers were regulars. So it's just somebody you see every day, and you knew them, and maybe you wouldn't ask for their, their driver's license because you know them. Literally somebody you've checked their driver's license 10 times. And the supervisor comes over, and I guess I did something wrong one day, and said, you've got to follow all these. These rules have to be followed. There can be no bending of the rules when it comes to banking. You know, banking, you've got to follow the rules. So I said, I would be happy to do that. And my line went out the door and around the block. Because <laughs> if you followed the rules, you couldn't serve even one customer because everybody had some weird exception that required a supervisor, if you did it right. But before, we were like, ah, it's such a small thing. You'll just you know, forget it. So, uh, and of course, it took uh, about half a day for the supervisor to say, okay, okay, forget the rules. <laughs> because if you follow the rules, we can't, we can't even do business. So following the rules is very effective if the rules are ridiculous. So I guess the Biden White House is firing staffers who have ever admitted smoking weed. What? (laughs) What? Now, this is not even people who are currently smoking weed. This is just people who have sometime in their past admitted to smoking weed, which, by the way, depending on the state they were doing it and when they did it, was perfectly legal. Now, how does that play with Democrats? Now, I suppose if they say, well, it doesn't affect me, it's just this government thing. But does it look so good, does it? Oh, I see you're, you're prompting me in the, in, the, in the comments here. Don't get ahead of me. Yeah, Kamala Harris has famously admitted that she once... Uh, or I don't know how many times, but she has smoked marijuana. Now, suppose suppose we apply the law just the way Biden wants to. Don't you have to impeach Harris? Or remove her? Or something? See, it's really tough for them to follow their own rules. Um... But this, this might be one of the dumbest things the Biden White House has done. I mean, this is super dumb. There's some things which you say to yourself, you know, uh, maybe I don't know all the details, or, or uh, maybe, maybe there's a variable I haven't considered, or you know, maybe it's complicated and nobody can make a prediction, so you don't really know what to do. But this is one of those rare situations where you can look at this and just say, nope, this is just stupid. It's only stupid. There's nothing else about it. (laughs) There's no complexity to this one. Usually, even when something's stupid, you can say, yeah, I see why they did it. You know, maybe they felt they were forced into doing it. 
But there's nothing like that here. There's nothing to suggest that this is a good idea. It's just, it's just a messed up idea. So here's the uh, list of uh, countries that uh, uh, Biden's administration or Biden himself has offended. Russia, China, North Korea, I would argue Israel, Canada, and Germany. And that's just so far. Now let me ask you this. Remember how it was always big news and it seemed like a really big deal that other countries might be laughing about Trump behind his back? That's pretty bad, isn't it? They might be laughing behind Trump's back. Well, first of all, do you think, do you think uh, leaders don't laugh about the other leaders behind their back? I got a feeling that's kind of common, right? Because it's just like anybody else gossiping about anything. I'm sure there's a little bit of that. But how in the world do we imagine that the other countries are not seeing what we see in Biden? They see it too, right? <laughs> it's, it's not just us. Um, so would, do we not think that they're laughing at Biden and his mental capacity? They have to be. Of course they are. Uh, we hear now that the Biden administration is quietly pressuring Mexico to curb uh, migrants. Who does that remind you of? Huh. Oh, yeah, Trump. Every day that goes by, Trump will look smarter. Perfect day. It's a perfect day to, you know, we'll talk about the China talk. But today is a day when uh, Trump looked extra smart (laughs) because the immigration thing fell apart. They're going to have to do what Trump did or some form of it eventually. And then the China talks were a hot mess. So if you didn't see the story, Tony Blinken from the Biden administration, so he was meeting in Alaska, I guess, with Chinese uh, counterparts. And, of course, he wanted to bring up, you know, China's... uh, human rights abuses, Uyghurs and stuff like that. But uh, China wasn't having it, and they brought up uh, Black Lives Matter and all the racism in the United States and said, maybe you should take care of your own problem. (laughs) And do you see now the problem with the United States making everything about race? China just use the same trick that I just have been explaining. China, instead of saying, hey, we're not so bad, or those things you're accusing us us of, we didn't do that. Nope. They took the Biden administration's own philosophy and shoved it down their throats in public. That's what they did. They took their own philosophy and shoved it down their throats in public. Didn't even bother to try to explain away their own behavior because they didn't have to. They could just take Biden's own philosophy and shove it down his throat in public. And his philosophy being it's a big old racist country and we've got tons of problems here. Um, So... Here's what happens when you create a narrative for internal domestic purposes, the narrative being everything's racist all the time, and it has an effect. Because China 
or, or l- let me put it this way. As uh, Dr. Password123 on Twitter uh, noted, and I'll use his exact wording, we apparently lost the moral high ground to a country that harvests human organs from minority groups. That actually happened. That actually happened. Now, you can't fail harder than that, Tony Blinken. You can't fail harder than losing the moral ground to a country that harvests human organs from minority groups. That's, that's as hard as you can fail. Um, and uh, I checked the DoorDash app, and if you search for Chinese food now, there's a picture of Tony Blinken. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, here's a persuasion tip from uh, Twitter user Dan, who noticed that Tony Blinken's Twitter profile starts out by saying that he's a very amateur guitar player. And so Dan notes, and I agree, don't ever put the terms, quote, very amateur anything in your biography if you're an official in anything. It subconsciously communicates that you're an amateur at your profession, too. We associate the words with what we are. So, and I agree completely with that statement. I will say that self-deprecation has a place. Right? I, I would not be the one who says, oh, never use self-deprecation. I use it when it's funny. But here's when you should not use it. When it can actually work against your professional reputation. So, yeah, that, that's the time to not be self-deprecating. But you can do it on, like, minor things. Don't be self-deprecating about your entire ability or your professional talents, but be self-deprecating about, you know, maybe little personality quirks or stuff like that. Um, How many of you saw the uh, clip of Kamala Harris falling apart on Good Morning America uh, when she was being interviewed by Savannah Guthrie about the school openings? How many of you saw that clip? And there's a reason I'm asking. Just want to see if anybody saw it. Well, I'm going to guess that not many of you did. Now, I saw it on social media, but I didn't see it on the news sites. And here's why I'm asking. Kamala Harris absolutely fell apart. She fell apart. If you saw her uh, that interview, you would say to yourself, we don't have a vice president. She did not look even the minimum capability of an official who talks in public. I'm, ta- I'm saying that she did not seem to have the, uh, the poise and the ability to answer tough questions that you would see from a, you know, a dog catcher or anybody. And it was so bad, the reason I asked if you'd seen that, I'll bet they, I'll bet they got rid of that clip. I'll bet that clip is not something that's going to go around on ABC's site. Maybe. I mean, I could be wrong about that. But it's the worst thing I've ever seen from a professional politician. I've never seen anybody handle questions so awkwardly and almost looking like... I'm not saying she was drunk, but almost like she was drunk. Not, not in terms of mannerisms, and I don't believe she had any... She, wasn't, she was not inebriated, so let me be clear about that. But in terms of how well she performed, it was 
maybe how well you would perform, not in the same style, of course, if you'd had several strong drinks. I mean, it was really bad. And keep in mind that we've all seen her talk a lot of times, and she's bad generally. She's sort of routinely bad, but you haven't seen this level of bad. For a moment there, we had a president and a vice president who were incoherent. I mean, she was actually incoherent. I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was a bad day, but she doesn't look like anybody who could step in and take over. Not one time did Mike Pence ever look like he couldn't take over. Am I right? Not one time. I, I'm, I'm probably the biggest Mike Pence supporter on the planet because uh, of the dog that didn't bark. The mistakes he didn't make are pretty, pretty legendary, really. The, I would say Pence, as a vice president, he set the standard, in my opinion. Um, even, if you don't like, even if you don't like him as a politician, even if you don't like his policies, and I'm not on his team on all that stuff. So here's one thing that I think will be interesting, which is that the longer Trump is out of the headlines, and it's going to weaken people's uh, reflex resistance. So for a long time, if, as long as Trump was in power, anything you said that was, uh, let's say, uh, explaining him or anything would meet with massive resistance. But you notice that after he was out of power, the fine people hoax finally fell because it's just not so important to keep up the, you know, keep up the other side once he's out of power. And we're seeing this happening now with the, uh, the drinking bleach hoax. So yesterday that popped up again. I guess Dr. Burke said it or something. And now you're seeing people who are um, responding to it on social media by sending around the actual technology that does exactly what President Trump said, which is it allows you to inject a disinfectant into the body to treat the coronavirus. That's a real thing. The company is Heal Light, all one word, like healing and light, Heal Light. And it's AYTU Bioscience, and they've got a website, and it's been around a while. This is the same technology that Trump would have known about because it was being tweeted around at the time he, he talked about light being injected. And sure enough, they put the light on a ventilator-like device. They inject it. Now, that's not a medical term, maybe, but they inject it down the, the throat into the trachea, and then the UV light sprays out from the device, and it kills coronavirus. Now, I don't know how far along they are in terms of commercializing it, but the point is it exists, it's real, it's what, it's what uh, Trump was referring to. And I was watching the resistance to it online, because this, this pops up ever since it happened, it's been popping up. And um, somebody said YouTube was blocking that, that website. I wonder if they were. Uh, so... Uh, my point is that uh, people seem to be easier to convince that they had been hoaxed on this. So watch as one after another all the, all the Trump hoaxes finally get handled after he's out of office. So do we miss, uh, 
do we miss Trump yet? So we've got Biden failing massively on immigration. We've got Biden's team embarrassing itself with the China talks. We've got higher taxes coming that are very unpopular. Um, Every day that goes by, right? Every day that goes by, another hoax is debunked about Trump, and the Biden administration finds out that the only thing they can do that makes sense is whatever Trump was doing. And they're going to have to, you know, Try to try to imitate that. Um, let me just look at your comments here. Use high viscosity. <laughs> I'm not going to read that comment. Um, what do we think is going to happen with China? You know, I put a little uh, video on this on uh, the Locals platform today, but uh, I want to make this this prediction also publicly, which is if we're trying to figure out will China come to dominate and take over the United States or will the United States do okay, I feel as if every major power forever has you know, reached some pinnacle and then they decline. So as the United States reached its pinnacle, and now it'll be on the decline while China is rising, because if you just straight line it, it looks like that, right? But I would argue that what the United States has going for it is that we continually destroy ourselves to reinvent. Indeed, I would say that we've had several different ways to elect a president just in my lifetime. Most recently, it was about rules changes and the pandemic, and before that it was probably fake news and Russian interference and stuff. So even, even our most basic system of how we pick a president, it's not really the same one, one election to the next. We destroy everything intentionally because that's how we grow. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a continuous uh, death-birth cycle. But is China. Now, China's made tremendous changes. So we know that they can... Uh, they can do huge changes when needed. But is their system as flexible as ours? There must be a reason that they're, they haven't invented as many big technologies, etc. I don't know what that reason is. But, there, but it could have to do with the system. And I think our system... Yeah, creative destruction, somebody's saying. That would be a good way to do it. Our system of continuous creative destruction um, makes us unlike... I would say, the Roman Empire. Because I think the Roman Empire just tried to be the Roman Empire. And, you know, the, the, the Mongol Empire just tried to be Mongols. But the United States, we're just trying to be something else every other day. You know, right now we're, we're bringing back our uh, manufacturing from China. That's a pretty big change. That's a pretty big change. But we, you know, we can turn on a dime when we need to. So I would think that innovation-wise and our ability to cannibalize ourselves and our lower level of corruption are probably going to keep us in good shape for a long time. Um, yeah, and I think China's got a big you know, demographic problems and everything else. So... <laughs> uh, just... And we have a navigable Mississippi River network that's important. Is that still important in uh, 
2021, is it important? All right. Yeah, and the other thing that's going to happen in China is the middle class will start asking for stuff, and then the power structure is going to change a little bit. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff in China that's newer and better than, than ours, that's for sure. Have you noticed that it's a really tough time to be a massage therapist? So now you've got this football player who's accused of raping one. You've got a shooting in Seattle at another massage parlor. You've got the Atlanta shooting. Why, why all of a sudden massage parlors are uh, having such unhappy endings? What's up with that? All right. Um, that's all for now, and I'm going to go take care of some other stuff, and I will talk to you later. Going to make this short today. I could go do some other stuff, and I'll talk to you a little bit later. <laughs>